0: Hmm? Ah.
1: Hey everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Peg. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the Apple TV show Lisey's Story.
0: This week we are covering episode 3, Under the Yum Yum Tree.
1: Is that what that tree was?
0: I guess so. <laughs> they didn't like refer a... to it as that in the episode that I remember. But... I
1: thought that was like a weeping willow. Is yeah. that called something different somewhere else? Or was that just like a nickname for this episode, I wonder?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. He's got, got all kinds of interesting names for things. So
1: He, he does. We've gotten a little <laughs> bit more insight to some of those interesting things um, this week. But yeah, I wondered that. I was like, is that what that's in reference to? Because that looks like a weeping willow to me. Mm-hmm. But anyway um well i'm i'm excited to be back to be talking we're on a week-by-week basis now with episode three covering the first two last week um mm-hmm. what are your general thoughts without going too deep we don't want to jump into our notes just yet but did you have general thoughts as you were watching this episode or after you watched how yeah. are you feeling um <laughs>
0: not to a like disc count or whatever like the people who have had like negative reactions to stuff because i'm still seeing online people getting bored with it or not understanding but i don't get it because i'm still super into it after this episode and we'll get to it later i mean there's a very specific scene that like made me like out loud be like holy shit like i'm so into this this is incredible like it's deep and tense and i want to know so yeah i still Really love what they're doing. I'm very intrigued by the story, and I want to see how it unfolds because we got a couple of answers this week, mm-hmm. but they were shrouded with more mystery. So I'll it say. was we still got more mystery for <laughs> yeah. sure.
1: Still clear as mud, but yeah, a couple answers. Um, y- yeah, you're right. Well, I'm excited to hear. Uh, you know what that that particularly was for you this scene, um, this week that, that made you think that, but you know, I'm, I'm the same. I know that there's uh, a slow pace and sometimes I'm not always okay with a slow pace. Sometimes I'm just like, you know, I'm bored with it or, you know, so I get it that some folks might have that feeling or if they're just confused, um, by things and don't feel interested enough to stay with it. -hmm. I understand that. I've totally felt that about some things, but I'm still in it too. Um, I and I still appreciate that. It's still really beautiful to look at. You know, I can, I can, if it's a little bit slow. If you give me something beautiful to look at on the screen, it makes me not think about that. It's a little bit of a slower pace because it's still interesting to me, and I find that interesting. So when it's visually appealing to me, so um so yeah i'm i'm still into it too and i'm i'm really excited
0: yeah and then shows like 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 earlier seasons of game of thrones or like better call saul or handmaid's tale even right now like shows like that have all like conditioned me to be okay with the slower paces because i can expect that it's gonna pay off down the road
1: right right you're exactly to to enjoy
0: the, the character development and the dialogue and how much importance those things hold
1: yeah i think yeah, and I think this was a good episode that kind of brought some things together a little bit, kind of started crossing some, you know, like um, bringing two different things together past. You know, we've had a little bit of the past and the present being brought together. Now we've had some other things kind of, you know, like you said, kind of answered a few questions, still some mystery. It's only a third episode, though, but um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm into it and I'm I'm definitely ready to talk about um, the episode itself and because I I really want to hear your point. so without further ado what is your number five
0: all right I'm gonna go ahead and say off the top that my five points this week are the exact same five points I had last week
1: okay, that's okay. <laughs> the same topics the there same are, five things there are no rules here we make our yeah. own rules so you can do
0: what you it's, want uh-huh like just that's how it just kind of came out I didn't go into it trying to do that on purpose but it's just, like, I had those same, like, five topics. They're in a different order, and and then obviously there's new updates and things to them, but yeah. Good. <laughs> but yeah, so my number five was kind of a, a quick one, just because it was a little more precise. In only doing one episode, it's a little more precise on, like, the specific things they focused on. Right. So the, the little one uh, to start with, number five, is just Lisi on her own, just dealing with shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs>
1: She's dealing. That is yeah.
0: You know, um, I I think it was really good to see that she did have like a police escort with her after the events that happened with Jim at her house. Yes, the last time. And so, anytime she's going out and leaving, they're driving along behind her, or he's you know sitting outside the front of her house while she's home, and it's just to keep a, a watch on her. Now that we know that this guy is really a problem. But then, yeah, it, it did bother me then that he just left that easily because of the fire. I was like, eh, somebody else could have taken care of that. There needs to be a Ugh. somebody watching that house still. It's I, a little um, too convenient and suspicious of a situation, I think.
1: I know, I know. And I mean, I think they kind of set us up a little bit with that. And um, the first two, I don't remember if it was the first or the second, one, because we covered them both at the same time. Um, but I remember when the... Um, the chief was talking to her and saying, you know, well, we'll we'll try and keep someone with you at all times. But if there's a call that goes out, they might have to leave or something, you know, it's a small town after all. So I think maybe that's why they were trying to kind of set us up for that was to say, yeah, it's small town, not a lot of, you know, cops to cover all the calls. Um, And apparently uh, Dooley knows that, you know, because he knows he can set something off and, you know someone's gonna but how did he know that he was gonna get called out that's the thing it's like Mm -hmm. like you said i know it's a small look i come from a really really small town a very small police force um you know if there was something really big that came out or you know was called out you know there's not a lot of people to cover it but i don't know is there really no one else couldn't you be like you know what we've got a weirdo that's loose in the town threatening a beloved citizen of our town and you know with with real threats like this this isn't just like a prank. This is like real threats. There isn't anyone else who yeah. can cover <laughs> this, or right, at least <laughs> cover for me and and someone sit with her or something. <laughs> yeah, because I assume that's
0: why you know his he went somewhere that was close enough to her house mm-hmm. that the closest person that would take the call would be the officer stationed at her house. Yeah, but then right. if it's that small of a town, it's like well then it's not going to be that mi- much more of a drive for somebody else to leave the station and go there too. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that that was a little bit too convenient, I think, um, that that one particular cop that, like you said, maybe it was because of his proximity to wherever. Because I don't think we saw. I didn't really understand, or maybe I wasn't paying attention exactly where Dooley set that fire exactly to know if yeah, it was Yeah, I'm not close sure. It was like to-
0: some barn. I assume it was sort of close because he drove past the house originally, saw that the officer was sitting out front. Mm. And so kept driving past. And then that's when he went to the barn.
1: But you'd at least think that he could say, well, I'm closest. I'm, you know, if he's calling out on his radio, like I'm responding, but I have to leave Mrs. Landon's house. Can someone come cover for me? I yeah. mean, seemed like he was gone for quite some time whenever he left and then, you know, Lisi and her sister, are there having their, you know, their dinner and their time together or whatever Yeah, that there would have been enough time for someone else to maybe come cover him yeah, I think
2: I that's know.
0: kind of important. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. then where we get left off on the episode where I was like, don't leave me there. <laughs> like, I need s- high tension situation. But I like the look that he kind of gives when she walks into that, like, storage barn area. Yep. That other like, guest house. Like, she walks in there and she knows something is off. Like, I like that look that we get left with on mm-hmm. her. where she's like, hmm something's something's wrong here which i don't know if that's just her having kind of an attunement to her you know area and her you know the her territory or if it's something a little more special that maybe she shares with scott in her past i don't know but you know with a king work you're always trying to pick your okay so what kind of powers does anybody have
1: (laughs) right oh yeah totally totally (laughs) Yeah, that's legit. Um, yeah, I don't know. And sometimes it's just the hairs on the back of your neck come up. Yeah. Uh, something just feels something- wrong in your gut. Yeah. You feel like you're being watched or feel like something's been disturbed. Um, so, yeah, who knows? Yeah, man, what a what a way to end that one.
0: Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but her overall, I think, for the episode, I mean, yeah, she's dealing with a lot with her mm-hmm. sister, well, both sisters, having to end up... <laughs> fight and get along with darla at the same time while dealing with everything that's going on with amanda and questioning her own you know like no but i know this isn't real but is it but it you know going back and forth through that with amanda being like well this is all in her head except i believed it too so yeah which is kind of another different point but yeah but you're seeing her kind of back and forth like questioning her reality but then trying to hold strong with like no this is crazy <laughs> i don't yeah you know i'm not going down that path again so so seeing her with that but i think the main thing that i'm watching her really deal with is the aftermath of of jim going to her house and leaving these things for her and how she's dealing with that and like, like i said i'm glad she has a police kind of presence around her even if it doesn't work all the time um right but it's there and uh how she's dealing with Jim, like, she's spooked, but also she's trying to, like, not let it take over her life and, like, run her yeah. life in fear. Like she's She still, still wants to go do things.
1: Yeah. She's not yeah. staying away from her home and, and hiding up somewhere else. You know, like when her sister Darla was telling her in a previous episode, you know, maybe she should go stay at this hotel. It'll be close to Amanda, you know, and you can go visit her and stuff. And she's like, nope, not leaving my house. You know, she's just dealing with it head on. So it is admirable how she's chosen to, to kind of deal with it. Yeah, I, I worry that she's a little too um, blase about it. Like, yeah, um, almost maybe she's not taking it as, as seriously or maybe I'm just, you know, maybe it's under the surface and it's not, you know, she's mm-hmm. not outwardly reacting to it so much. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I think it is, you know, I think, you know, admirable that she's just dealing with it, not running scared.
0: Yeah she has like that kind of weird moment where she kind of appreciates Jim yeah. <laughs> a little bit, which is where when the the officer, you know, stops her and is showing her this video is like, we found more stuff on him. And he just recently uploaded this video to the like Scotland and website. And so he's still kind of being creepy and doing things, but we found this, this video of like, you know, he spent some time, he wasn't arrested per se, but like, He had a little, you know, rehabilitation moment after he acted out, and it was some kind of, like, anti-Scott Landon speaker thing. I don't know exactly what that was, but Jim was not a fan of that, and so he interrupts it, and he throws this pie in the speaker's face, and, you know, uh, Lisi has this moment where she kind of laughs and, like, has a little bit of appreciation for Jim, because she's like, oh, yeah, he's a super fan, because the pies of death was from this book relics where this evil magician would kill people with pies of death. And so like he knows his references and he knows what he's doing. And I like that. She said, Scott had a term for these fans that were deep space cowboys, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the the ultra fans that weren't quite wired correctly, but you know, he enjoyed most of them because they were pretty loyal fans and, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, were along for the ride. Anything he did.
1: Yeah, I like it. Yeah, she's an interesting, interesting woman. I, I'm yeah. digging, you know, finding out more and more about her. I really like her as a character.
0: Yeah. That, that was pretty much my vibe there. was I like it. Just how she's dealing with things in the aftermath of what we saw last time.
1: I like it. It's worth mentioning because she it's, it's, you know, like I said, I find it interesting, you know, how she mm-hmm. chooses to deal with it. So she is a strong woman. Well, yeah. my number five um, has to do with Scott's childhood. And, you know, as we talked about in our coverage uh, last week, you know, there's going to be, you know, discussion of, um, you know, cutting because that's happening again. Um, yeah. You know, so we'll be talking about it, I'm sure, um, during this episode, probably others I would have to guess. And then also um, there's abuse in this episode. Yeah. So we're going to talk about that um, as well. So just for anyone um, you know, for awareness. So yeah. we finally get a little bit of insight. I feel like there's a lot more to learn that we still haven't seen everything. So hopefully we'll get more because I'm really curious. Um, you know, I I have a lot of questions, so I'm hoping we get more so I can get some answers. But we finally get an episode where Scott, um, during their honeymoon trip, has decided to take or, you know, has taken Lisi, you know, when they go on this hike and they find this like this beautiful little oasis under this tree. And yeah. it I, I found it beautiful because, you know, it's it's winter. It's, you know, there's snow all over the ground. This tree is beautiful with the way it's just kind of layered in some snow and ice. And um but under it, it looks like winter almost never happened. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I feel like that's more, you know, I guess it could be considered more real. It's interesting, you know, why it doesn't, you know, if there's that much snow that no snow has penetrated or you know, why things are still green. But I'm like, well, just don't question it too hard because it is at least beautiful to look at. But yeah. they sit under there and then Scott opens up and decides, sounds like for the first time, you know, um, that he opens up about, about his childhood uh, with Lacy, And it's pretty messed up. Um, yeah. he, he jumps, We we get this flashback of Scott as a little boy. And... There's a scene there between his father and his older brothers there. And his dad is trying to get Scott to jump from, looks like a, a barn or mm-hmm. a, a shed. I think it's a barn, it looks a little bit too small to be a shed because it looks kind of high up. But he's sitting up there and he's like kicked out the ladder and he wants him to jump. And threatening him that if he doesn't, he's going to cut his brother. And he's, you know, and and the more that Scott, refu- excuse me, refuses, you know, their dad starts beating up his older brother, Paul. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that was, that was really hard to watch. It was. That was difficult. um, Because they, they really showed a lot. And Mm -hmm. that was difficult. Um, And then he threatened, you know, then he holds the knife to his face. um, And he ends up cutting his face, cuts him on the chin. And then finally to get Scott uh, to, to jump, he... Uh, threatens to cut his ear off
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm, I'm trying to figure out exactly what their dad means. And, you know, cause he acts like he's doing it because he loves them. Yeah. And telling them, you know, that he has to let out the bad and, you know, to keep Scott from being gone. And so yeah. I, I'm trying to figure out exactly. And I'm, that's why I'm, you know, why I have more questions because it's like, what exactly does that mean? Um, yeah
0: I still have <laughs> no clue what any of that but it's, it's intriguing for sure but it is it's rough and it's like but what does it mean so I kind of wrote down a rough rundown of what Scott's dad was saying yeah as his explanation I was like I still don't really get it but here's what he was saying <laughs>
1: yeah
0: as he says he sees the bad in Paul and the gone in Scott so he has to let the bad out of Paul through this blood bull But somehow it ties into he has to do it until Scott jumps. And Scott jumping has something to do with him tying him to where he's at so he doesn't lose him. Scott can't go. And then they're talking about this other place, which is like Booyah Moon. Mm -hmm. But apparently, like, their dad doesn't have a connection to it. This is a Scott thing. That Paul has also been connected to because, like, his dad says something like Scott's the one that named the place. Mm Mm-hmm and like that's where he can go he tells him you know to take his brother there to clean him up and stuff but when they're talking about this other place is what he calls it he says you know it also has good but the good takes care of itself so it's mainly we focus about the bad of that place and so he has to to be like abusive and these things his explanation is so the bad things you know stay away and he cleanses the bad which Okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, right. Yeah. And that dialogue, it just, I'm like, okay, I don't understand. I'm still not understanding yet, but I mean, we hear the term blood bull, which was the title of the second episode. And what we heard Scott tell Lisi, you know, when he was cutting himself uh, on that class, when he broke that window and saying he had to let out the bad. And he said, it's a blood bull. And it was like an apology, um, and she had to accept it and that it was very serious that if you accepted it, you have to accept it in full, you know, you can't yeah. like take it back. Um, and he was very serious about it. Uh, and so I'm just, I'm thinking, okay, what happened to their mother? You know, cause we do see a picture of their mother, um, with, with their father. So what happened to their mom? Um, what happened to their dad to make him this way? Like what happened to him? Mm-hmm. Is he mentally ill? Uh, was, was he abused? And so he's abusing, you know, cause we know, I mean, a, a lot of abusers um, were abused, you know, mm-hmm. so that, so is that part of it? Um, but he seems to know that like, even then uh, Scott was going to Booyah Moon, you know, um, but was he maybe afraid that Scott would get lost there? Like he would, he would be gone and stay gone. That he he's not grounded enough in reality, and that he would get pulled and not come back or something. Is that what he was talking about? He sees the gone in him. Um, I don't know. Like I'm kind of just yeah, talking sure. it out out loud. Yeah, whether um, it's
0: where he thinks he'll get lost or whether he'll stay there to stay away from
1: him. Maybe. I, don't know. Um, I mean, who could blame him? Um, and then what happened to Paul? We know. Scott told Lisey in a uh, like episode two that Paul was dead, Um, Mm -hmm. but I wonder what happened to him.
0: Yeah, we don't know because even Lisey asks him here in this episode, how old was Paul when he died? Like, trying to figure out was it like soon after this thing happened that Mm -hmm. like his brother died as a kid, or did he make it to adulthood and then something happened later? And Scott just breaks down; he's not even able to answer that question.
1: Right. And then I thought what was an interesting observation was it, it was a sweet moment. There were some really hard moments to watch in this episode. And then we had a really nice moment uh, where they had the uh, bull hunt where mm-hmm. S- uh, Scott was on the bull hunt that his brother had created. And he was talking about, you know, that that's where that came from. So we kind of at least kind of understand where Scott get, gets that from as he's doing that with Lacey, you know, right now even though he's dead, but he set this bull hunt up for him in his death um, for, with these clues for her to find. And that's, this is where he got it from. So he said that him and his brother Paul played this game. So that, yeah. that was kind of nice. But I thought was um, interesting was in this episode was the differences, um, how the, the different effects of what's happening between the boys and their father. Um, you know, when they make this wish, Paul wants his dad dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But Scott wants the bookmobile to come back, yeah. <laughs> and I think it different priorities. <laughs> different priorities. Different. And but you can see how it affects him. I think even yeah. listening to Scott today, he thinks his father loved him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's what he believes, and I think that's what he believed then when he said that. You know, he's not thinking about his father and how he wants or that he's mad at his father for the abuse that he went through or the abuse that he put his brother through, um, or for, you know, what they go through. It looks like in their, de- in their day-to-day life. Um, he, he's worried about the bookmobile. Paul's the one that wants to yeah. get dead. So it's it's just interesting to see how it's affected these two boys very differently. So I thought that mm-hmm. was an interesting observation. So hoping to yeah. get a little bit more from that. I still have a lot of questions, but I think it was really interesting peak of the terrible, um upbringing that scott went through i mean clearly he still suffers you know uh, well dead. i i feel like mm-hmm. it's hard it's like i know he's dead but we keep seeing all these flashbacks of him it's almost like he's alive um yeah you know so it's ugh, I got. well i don't know
0: where he's well that's true we don't know where <laughs> he's at
1: that's true i shouldn't shouldn't make assumptions but
0: after this episode yeah was, you after, start questioning that
1: <laughs> that's true after this episode maybe start questioning that but we're under the assumption anyway we're being yeah. told that he's he's gone and that he's dead so but it looks like it's mm-hmm. something that has haunted him all through adulthood that clearly he was traumatized and suffering you know from what he went through with his dad and what happened to paul um but somehow he still thinks his dad loved him so i still have a lot of questions i just had to kind of talk mm-hmm. that out a little bit yeah so but that was my number five um what is your number four
0: I'm going to go ahead and just continue on that a couple of notes because I have that as one of my points okay. as well was Scott and Paul as kids. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just kind of make that my number four to to follow up on the other notes that I have that we didn't talk about, which we talked about a lot of the, you know, the really heavy, rough stuff that was in there. But I, I also pointed out some of the really light moments in that mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. And you did talk about the the bull hunt that, you know, Paul sent him on. And as he's, you know, you're seeing that, the flashbacks of that happening and the way Scott is talking about it to Lisey when you do see, you know, it flashes back to them. And I was incredibly touched by the way that Scott was talking about his love for his brother. and Like you can tell how much Paul meant to him and the connection that they had mm-hmm. through his, his story. And I was really emotionally touched by that. And I, I thought it was really great. And then... Even during the roughest, like hardest to watch part of this where their dad is cutting Paul and beating him. I was also touched, though, but like the way that after whatever would happen, Paul would look up at Scott and look into his eyes and give him this smile and this like knowing look of like, this is never your fault and you're not to blame. Like, don't listen to you know, whatever dad says, Mm -hmm. it's not on you. So don't don't buy that bullshit like this is him doing this to me and this is not your fault Mm. and just the fact that like through being tortured basically he's still able to look at his little brother with such Mm. love that affected me and so yeah I I appreciated that there and then there was one line in there that I thought was kind of cute even though it was really dark and you know the (laughs) situation surrounding it was not great but I thought it was still kind of cute as though uh You know, when when Scott is, his dad's talking to him about, you know, taking him, you know, taking Paul there. And Paul says, well, I can't really go there anymore. Mm -hmm. Scott's like, well, I can. And he goes, oh, you think you're hot shit, do you? And then the kid just goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, That was great. But then his dad responds, which is so weird about his dad because it is like in their dad's mind, I think he thought that he was doing this out of love as dark and evil as it was, there was a part of their dad that really did think mm-hmm. that it was some kind of twisted love act yeah. that he's got. I think he because then he's doing he res- right by
1: them somehow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Cause then he responds to Scott with like, well, you are hot shit, you know? And then like mm-hmm. he hugs them and kisses them and, you know, I love you boys. And it's just like, it's a horrible situation. <laughs> They're oh, in there no. with him, but, but it's just so twisted. But like, there's those like little moments of, of of levity or kind of acuteness to the relationship, at least on the kids part, but but then it adds to how dark the dark part of it really is.
1: Yeah. It's pretty twisted. Pretty twisted messed mm-hmm. up. That, but, that's yeah. really good. <laughs> um I like that. Um I hope we get some more of the I mean I don't want to see the abuse, but I wanna hopefully get more answers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really good number four. Uh, my number four you you've mentioned it, but I, that was my number four was uh Jim Dooley's obsession. <laughs> yeah. um, this episode did provide a little bit more insight. you know, if you didn't already understand how dark and deep his fascination or obsession with Scott Landon goes, um, then you definitely get a, a good picture of it here. Um, and honestly, like leece the scene where he smashes the pie in the guy's face made me laugh, too. Um, yeah. I thought that was quite funny because how dare anyone criticize his idol? I mean, aren't we all, to a degree, whether it's, you know, an, an artist, you know, like a musician or a, a writer, author or, you know, anyone that we're a super fan of, right? You know, mm-hmm. you get a little, your you know, hair. Gets up a little bit over if somebody dare criticizes, you know, oh that director stinks or oh that band sucks or you know no. you kind of like yeah, oh, yeah.
0: this was like well, I'm sorry, your opinions are tar or garbage, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, I'm sorry you don't like good things, <laughs> right?
1: You know, I know sometimes I yeah. get a little defensive when someone starts attacking, <laughs> you know, my favorite artist or starts trashing, you know, and I'm just like, hey, you know, I I feel like. Throwing a pie in their face, too, you know. <laughs> um, so that made me giggle a little bit, too. But, you know, then we see that video that he made, that creepy self made video, and it's pretty disturbing. Um, yeah. You know, and I don't know when that video was uploaded, but clearly uh, Jim Dooley was fairly active on the fan sites um, whenever Dash Meal recruited him to Mm -hmm. be like, hey, you know, how about you come help me out and persuade Mrs. Landon to, you know, start releasing her husband's works or whatever. You know, if if, whatever he saw, if if this video was there or really any of his comments or deeds or anything, you know, if he was aware of any of that, I really have to question Dashmill on, you know, how, right. why he thought it was such a good idea to ask him for help. Because, I mean, this dude is clearly unhinged. You don't need a whole lot of, you know, um, you know, just this video alone would be enough to be like, yeah, I don't want to ask this guy. He's, he's a little bit beyond, oh, yeah. you know. The... Like in
0: this video, he's got that cardboard cutout that we talked about again. But he's like, not only just like posing with it for like the video, but like it gets kind of intimate. Like you wife like, are you about to start like trying to make love to this thing? I don't know what you're doing right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> just bizarre. And if he thought that he was going to be able to talk to him rationally and recruit mm-hmm. him, then he was. I mean, talk about some seriously poor judgment is all I can say. I mean, if you thought you were going to rein this guy in and that you were going to be able to control him. I mean, all you've done is just, you know, given him an excuse to. You know, because he did believe very much that keeping Scott Landon's work, uh, you know, his unfinished work, you know, now that he's gone away from the world is a crime. And that's why he's so against uh, Lisi and so demanding that you know, she allowed them because he, he really thinks it's keeping Scott Landon from winning, you know, like posthumous awards, Yeah. you know, like he could win the Nobel prize. He thinks, you know, I mean, he did win a Pulitzer and it sounds like he was, you know, got, had gotten lots of awards for his work and that she was preventing him from getting more of the recognition. And it was, you know, she shouldn't be keeping his things hidden from the world which again mm. kind of goes into the talk we had before about, you know, who owns an artist's work, you know, who really yeah. owns that after they're gone and who has the right to it. Should we, should it be locked away per the, you know, the, the remaining family's request or should it be released out into the world? You know, because we think we should have a piece of it, you know? Um, yeah. But clearly this guy doesn't think rationally at all and big mistake getting him involved. Um, yeah. Cause this is not I good.
0: Think- <laughs> Like, that part of it does make sense. Like, oh, that's, like, actually a noble reason for doing this. Mm -hmm. If you look at it just at that, it's, like, is wanting these, you know, unpublished papers to be the reason that, like, it's new material that could get those posthumous awards that he feels like Scott Landon fully deserves. And in that, it's, like, yeah, I can totally understand that that's kind of noble as a fan of, like, you know, like, but I know that he could, you know, be worth these things and these... And I get that. But then where it gets really dark and you're like, yeah, no, um, I can't get on board with you anymore Mm-mm. is his like, you know, hatred of Lisi because she doesn't want to release these things invades his message to where even, you know, not only is when he's talked to people in person, but now when he's making these videos and stuff, he's part of his message is no wife, stay single. You know, like it's become this whole like misogynistic part of it because of Lisi.
1: That, um, delivery uh, of that line, just that kind of made me giggle too. That yeah. Was kind of funny, funny. I'm like, okay, whatever. But that was kind of funny. <laughs> Admittedly. <Yeah. laughs> anyway. Um, well, that's my number four. Um, what's your number cool.
0: three? My number three is again, cause I'm going back to a lot of points we talked about last week, but <laughs> it is, uh, Scott and Lisey specifically bull, the bull that she is on again, this bull hunt that he has her on mm-hmm. and kind of more of the clues and things we saw for this week. Uh, the cedar box was like the clue we were left off on. Yeah. And it does seem that Amanda has it. Cause Darla did ask her about it and says, even though she's not talking, like there was a pause in her where it kind of, she had this knowing, like, look, and so was like, so I assume it is there. And it is. It's at Amanda's with her Oreos. A very that's,
1: large, um, admirable a lot of stash of
0: Oreos. <laughs> yeah, because even at the beginning, when Darla was like, oh, i pick up some Oreos. I was like, Darla, you know what? You might be onto something. You know, Oreos always kind of make me feel better, too. So uh, Heck yeah, I, th- I think you got a good point. And then Lisey gets there to the house and was like, oh, like she really <laughs> likes her Oreos. <laughs> really?
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: but uh, yeah, the... The cedar box was, was in the Oreo cabinet. That's, that was <laughs> specifically a cabinet just for Oreos. Uh, but it's there, and so she looks into it, and it leads her into this memory at the Antlers Inn, which is the place that her and Scott stayed on their honeymoon. They had this whole nice place to themselves because of the snowy weather. And this strange sort of like husband and wife were running the place. It was a little, they were very strange characters, but they were kind and nice. And I was like, you know what?
1: Okay. Okay. They were kind and nice, but I tell you what, I don't know what Stephen King has it about creepy hotels when they stepped out of the car. I was like, oh my God, it looks like the freaking overlook. I mean, a smaller version of the overlook, but I'm like, geez, Mm -hmm. here we go again. Definitely get those vibes (laughs) from it.
0: Yeah. And then in the, the box was this, I'm not sure what it was. At first, I thought it was like a beanie, but then it was like something that goes with an afghan. Yeah, I don't know. She called it a delight. Stuff. I, yeah, like, <laughs> I
1: I'm I'm not a, a knitter. I don't even know if that's the proper term for it. That's how little I know. Yeah. The it, same boat. It seems like it's a piece from the afghan that Scott had that. Yeah. So I don't know if that's like a start of one of the like an afghan or I don't know. That's what she called it. And I'm like, I don't know. I should have Googled mm, it. Yeah.
0: Whatever it was. <laughs> But the note on there says, Bunny will help you, which was kind of her childhood pet name for Amanda. was Amanda Bunny. So that's what leads her to go to Amanda to try to figure out more. It's like, what has Scott gotten her tied up in with and Mm -hmm. all of this? But it it leads her there. And then, yeah, you talked about them sitting under the tree and all of that. But uh, also with that, we see, other than him telling her this story, that he actually takes Lisi. To Booyah Moon in that moment, in that scene. It seems it was really short lived, and like, I don't think they were there long, but it rattled her. Like, she was like, We're never talking about this at all because I can't handle that. And so I think the bull hunt that she's on right now, it's coming (laughs) clear with a question mark because I could (laughs) be wrong, but I feel like it seems that, like, the purpose of this bull hunt that she is on is to make her remember. That world and its power, because maybe there's something that is needed from her in order to save Amanda or to save Scott, mm-hmm. since we see him kind of sitting there in that place in this episode.
1: Yeah, what the hell, man.
0: So, is you know, is she on some kind of mission to save him from Muyamun? Is What is he leading her to? But I think the main purpose of the hunt, outside of whatever the end goal is, is to make her remember this place and believe in it again. And because yeah, she's I, kind yeah. of given up on believing in it.
1: I know. And I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, you're I'm like, oh man, you got my wheels churning." So yeah. yeah, I was kind of wondering that same thing. Um, I think you have a good point. Cause I mean, my number three is kind of about the reality and the fantasy and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that we heard in the dialogue from the first two episodes are now coming together and piecing together what is real and what's fantasy we hear bleeding out the bad um i've seen the mm-hmm. bad in you and the gone in him those things don't sound so far-fetched anymore after what we see you know bull hunt yeah. and blood bull set up the balance a little bit between fantasy and reality and you know we're now able to kind of go into those two realms you know without like fear uh now we're, we're they're kind of merging a little bit now it's kind of mm-hmm. like oh kind of drawing this picture and You know, when Lisi tells Darla that she knows what's wrong with Amanda, telling her that Scott's influence on her was so strong that she actually believes all of those other made-up worlds really do exist. And even though Darla doesn't quite understand that, Lisi, you know, she doesn't try to explain it. She just says it. She's like, you know, Scott had this really strong influence on Amanda and she believed these worlds that he created. And I thought it was cool that Darla shared that she actually read Scott's books and that she understands this healing pool that Scott wrote about. I guess Scott actually yeah. wrote about this. Um and then um, you know, I and and then we know that this lake kind of heals um as well. Or it seems to, appears to. We see Scott go yeah. there and then he seems to come back healed. Um so I don't know. We're kind of hearing these things that it, it, they're starting to kind of merge a little bit, and I think that you're onto something. I think that you're onto yeah. something with what you say as far as, you know, uh, what the goal, what the goal is here. You might be calling yeah, this cause... pretty pretty early here, Pete, <laughs> episode three. Yeah, maybe. I'm honest, I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that conversation she has with Darla. You mentioned yeah, because where she's read the books because Scott is blending these worlds even from like his reality and his past, and then even in his writing where. You know, Booyah Moon sounds childish, and, you know, Lisi says, well, yeah, because that's what him and Paul called it as children. Mm -hmm. So, in the books, he refers to it as Banella, and it has this monster guardian, which I was like, "Ah, that's not good. But, like, this is, like, he's putting his own reality in these other worlds that he's known into his writing, and so he's blending those worlds. Right. And I thought that was (laughs) really interesting, but, yeah, Lisey fully believed in it when she was with Scott, but now... She's questioning things. And so right now, her mindset when she's talking to Darla, she's like, well, none of this is actually real. Scott was a little, uh, you know, out there. And, you know, I I loved him and stuck with him. But, you know, he believed in these things and he believed in them enough to where he convinced me and Amanda to believe in them, too. Amanda still does. But she kind of writes it off of like, I think, you know, this whole thing was a place that Scott and Paul came up with as kids Mm -hmm. in order to mentally escape from the abuse and things that they were dealing with but it's not really real. Of course, then there's all these little things that are popping up that are making Lisa, Lisi question herself anyway.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I... yeah. So I think that's a big yeah point is watching Lisi come to grips with the reality of Booyah Moon maybe is a big point of this series and what Scott needs to, to lean her in that direction for.
1: I think you are onto something for sure. Mm-hmm. I like it. Um, Well, that was also at least the reality fantasy part of it where we're kind of, you know, you hear some of these things, like I said, in in episodes one and two. And you're kind of like, that sounds so weird. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't understand it. And I still don't have a full understanding. But now it makes a little bit more sense. I'm able to see where those two are kind of merging together. So, yeah, I like it. Um, What is your number two?
0: My number two was kind of tied to that also and that is amanda Mm -hmm. and her this episode her and her love of oreos like i mentioned (laughs) earlier uh but then yeah a big part again that ties into what i was talking about is while we're seeing her kind of in that dual place where she's in both worlds and she's terrified and she wants to leave this Booyah moon world and she wants to come back to you know reality i've been listening to like this fantasy supernatural podcast and they've been calling the flat world and then like side b so i have that in my head right oh, now okay. but it kind of that's appropriate. but it kind of ties to this also like the flat world is what i called it and i was like oh no that's like a totally different thing i'm listening to right now but
1: <laughs> still makes but sense. It,
0: it, it applies yeah. kind of like you have like your normal natural world and then you have the other side with all this crazy supernatural stuff yeah and she's tired of living kind of on that edge and she wants to come home but then Whatever is going on over on that other side is just you know like the long boy, the faces you're know, gonna, yeah, and you know she's having this conversation with this same like kind of veiled woman that she was in the last episodes. Mm-hmm. but then this episode we see that Scott himself is actually also there yeah. kind of keeping an eye what on her oh man, that was weird yeah
1: <laughs> like what is and, going on yeah. there?
0: Yeah, so that's that that's the big mystery and stuff that you know I want to know, and that's what keeps me going. But that so this was the scene I was talking about that really pulled me in. Is again with Amanda, you know she's carved, you know, help me, Lisi into her arm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: She's and again she knows that Lisi and Scott and so like Lise knows what this world is. She's been with Scott. She knows these things. Scott has taken her there, and. So that's what she needs Lisey. She's kind of on the same mission that I'm thinking Scott maybe is, is like we need to bring her back into understanding and believing in this reality because she's our only other hope to to help us or her or, you know, at least Amanda. But that scene where Lisey is talking with her and almost gets through to her as she's saying, I wanna come home, I wanna come home, but then she snaps back out of it because she's being told to be quiet and it kind of takes her back out of the the natural world. But that was really tense, and I have to give so much props to Joan Allen in that mm-hmm. scene. She is incredible.
1: Yeah, Jennifer. a great job. <laughs> She is an incredible actor. They've really got a lot of acting talent. I wish they give Jennifer Jason Lee a little bit more. I hope we mm-hmm. get a little bit more out of her. I think she's doing good so far, but I think they could give her a little more. Um, yeah. She's so great. Um, well, that actually kind of ties a little bit into my number two, which part for me of what you know outside of the cutting the abuse and and things that we see on here but something else that's kind of hard to watch is you know when Lisey tells Scott like I don't want to talk about this anymore you know if when we talk about this trip and we talk about our memories you know it's going to be talk of a nice vacation we had a great time but I don't want to talk about any of this stuff you know that he told her that she just simply I guess can't handle it She just can't handle it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a willful repression hurts those that have been through the trauma and, Mm -hmm. you know, talking about it and acknowledging the trauma and things that have happened to you. It's like a salve on the wound, you know? And I think that, you know, it, in a way it was hurting Scott for Lacey to not I guess be for him to be able to share those things and talk to her about these things. And he, he shared that world with her and showed it to her. And she's just mm-hmm. like, Nope, this is too much for me. I can't handle it. And I, I, I want to be, res- you know, I see both sides. I do want to be respectful of people's boundaries and things, but I think if you're going to be married and committed to someone, you have to try to get there. Maybe you're not there today, but you can be like, okay, well, I need to take this in small pieces or small, mm-hmm. you know, allow me time to process and, you know, maybe come back to it or something, but she just like completely shuts him down. And, and, and you can see in this episode how she fights those memories when she's remembering all of these things mm-hmm. in the, uh, when she's remembering that whole honeymoon trip and everything that happened, you know, she's, you can see how she's trying to forcefully like almost kick that out of her head. Like she just doesn't want to remember, but Scott, as we acknowledged and we talked about the last episode, he's forcing her to remember these things. And she's like, why are you trying to make me remember these things? Why are you trying to make me remember these things? And I think you you made a really good point that, you know, he's trying to force her to remember this place and that it does exist. And, you know, it's for a reason. We don't know why yet. Um,
0: Mm -hmm. But,
1: you know, I thought that's kind of, that's hurtful, I feel, this willful repression. Yeah. It's one thing if you forget because you just forget or, you know, something happens to make you forget. But when you willfully repress it or, you know, try to get someone else to willf- willfully repress it, it's kind of hurtful. So that that to me was kind of hard to watch. And I just wanted to – I thought it was worth acknowledging anyway. Yeah. So. Um, sorry, I kind of took over your number two. Did you oh, – <laughs> anything no. else you want to say about your number two? I was kind of chiming ah. in the mine. <laughs>
0: yeah you're good uh yeah the only other thing that it was kind of another one of those like really like with the police officer moments Mm -hmm. but i mean yeah it drives the story of course with her being able to that's the only way she can communicate with lisi is by like writing because like her talking she can't really talk to Lisi because then she's being silenced and shushed and you know put in danger in booyah moon so that's why she's not talking really, as, she, uh, as she's kind of writing this line between worlds. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to communicate. And as rough as terrible as that was to watch, again, I had to give props to Joan Allen for that scene, though. As she's like quietly, like crying out, moaning as you know, quiet as she can while doing this. But you know, the the moment where I was like, really, was I was like, what psychiatric hospital is going to have? Oh, supplies man. and medicine cabinets unlocked and everything in this place where somebody can just anyone can walk in and have access to them, especially I when mean, there's things like scissors and stuff on the inside. I need, like, I
1: need like a repeat or a meme or something made <laughs> of like Jennifer Jason Lee saying fuck just yeah. repeatedly. Um, that would really, I know. My day. So, if someone wants to make that for me, that'd be great. Um, yeah, because I was but, very much
0: with Darla on that page was, when she comes in and is screaming at the nurses and stuff, and I was like, yeah, that is. Highly unacceptable on the hospital's part. Highly unacceptable.
1: I feel like there are, you know, all sorts of reasons why people are there seeking treatment in that facility. And knowing Mm -hmm. that you have, even if you don't have anyone else, you've got one new person there that is a known cutter. I feel like that's in her, um, you know, file that you don't keep things like that unlocked. That was a terrible oversight Mm -hmm. by that um, orderly or whoever he was. I thought that's yeah, (laughs) that's, that's bad. I was right there with Darla too. I'd be screaming too. She, she could have taken her life, Mm -hmm. you know, at that moment. So yeah.
0: And for this moment, I kind of worried if she did, Mm -hmm. because the first thing that Darla sees is just the blood and everything. You don't see Amanda sitting there until a little bit after and so the way that they were framing it were like Darla screaming and freaking out. And then you see Amanda, when it does catch to Amanda, she's sitting in Booyah Moon. And I was like, oh no, it was just her way of going fully there. Right. Versus Like you didn't know. And so, yeah, it was, it was really tough to watch in that regard. But yeah, I was like, I was right there in that boat with Darla where I was like, yeah, fuck these people. Like, how dare you be, you know, allow any situation like this to happen. There should have been people watching her. That's why
1: you were paid
0: to have her here
1: right and knowing that people everyone was just coming and going at free will they don't keep anyone locked in a room it looks like it's a pretty Mm -hmm. open kind of place where residents can come and go from their rooms and go to you know rec rooms and they can go outside and sit and things like that so if you're going to allow folks to come and go either you keep that room locked up you know, mm-hmm. to where they can't access room, but that was like right open. That was like in a big open yeah. area. So then, okay, we'll have the damn cabinet closed or locked. You know, why would you,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: you got to have that stuff locked up either in a room or yes. keep that cabinet locked up if you're going to allow, you know, um, the residents there to roam freely. So big, big oversight. Um,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: from that facility. So wow. That was a really good good number two what is your number one
0: my number one is uh something you already talked about mm. pretty much i don't know if i have anything else really is uh, jim jim dooley uh I, you know, great let's start the episode off with creepo mccreeperson again that's awesome um <laughs> as he's just staring longingly into the eyes of cardboard Scott Landon as he's popping his popcorn um all right sure dude uh <laughs> yeah But yeah, talking about his videos that he made, we talked about that, you know, his reasons for things, but then his hatred for Lisey kind of invading that, his, uh, you know, burning the barn in order to use it as a distraction, and that way the, the police, you know, the officer leaves Lisey's house to go check on that, and he just strolls right on up, him just standing there watching as Lisey and Darla are talking in the kitchen was super creepy, Yes. But then instead of going towards them, though, he just goes over to this, like, you know, little extra guest house cabin thing that she's got all his papers and stuff. And I'm thinking, why did he just grab the box and leave with it?
1: Like... I don't know. It, it yeah, it was creepy seeing him there. Definitely like a an invasion of privacy. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like it would take a U-Haul to get all of Scott's things out of there. That there were boxes mm-hmm. everywhere.
0: Yeah, and a lot of those boxes were like published papers and mm-hmm. this and this and just like you know copies of stuff. I, I, as far as I know, I've only seen like one box of unpublished things. But is somebody with a mind like Scott Landon? I'm sure he had a lot more than that one box.
1: Probably, you know, but. maybe not because I think Lee said, you know, I think he's got an unfinished novel in there um mm-hmm. you know it's so what she told Darla um he probably had a lot of notes maybe as far as like you know actual drafts of work or something like that maybe not as much but I bet he did have a lot of notes you know mm-hmm. um or ideas or something that he wrote down so yeah, yeah it probably just a complete treasure trove if you're a huge Scott Landon fan that would be like Woo-ho-ho! you know the back yeah. right there
0: mm-hmm but yeah, he, instead of just taking things and leaving or whatever, he sticks around and just adds to the creep. I was like, if he wasn't creepy enough, let's give him a yo-yo. Okay, thanks. Uh, <laughs> something as simple as that just makes it worse. He is like,
1: his own special kind of oddball.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's just going to hang out and make the place his own for a little bit, play with the the lighthouse a little bit use the toilet not flush by the way
1: right thank you um. do
0: flush.
1: why do you have to be such a weirdo didn't wash his hands didn't do and anything just uses don't...
0: it and they're just like and now i'm gonna go off and do another thing i'm like i guess i shouldn't be surprised by that but uh.
1: yeah dude flush and wash your hands what's wrong with you wow now as if he wasn't creepy enough now he's you know dirty on top of it mm-hmm. right <laughs> unsanitary uh.
0: jeez yeah but that was my number one. Yeah, I was talking about Jim still being super creepy.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm interested to see if they can make him any more creepy than what they've already done because I right. feel like they've definitely uh, exceeded you know, the creep factor. He just gives me the he- heebie-jeebies uh, mm-hmm. when I see him on screen. So yeah, they're doing a really great job with him and the actor is doing great. Um, Well, my number one, just something a little bit lighter and you mentioned it um, earlier, something that doesn't really it was mentioned in the episode. Doesn't my point doesn't really have anything to do with the episode. Um, because I'm super curious. Um, I don't know the answer. I don't expect you to, but you mentioned <laughs> that uh, in the episode, Lisey revealed that Scott had a name for his most out there fans, deep space mm-hmm. cowboys. Yeah. What do you think Stephen King calls his kookiest fans? You know, he's got to have a name. Anything? Oh yeah.
0: I'm sure he's got something. Cause that, you know, a lot. Of this book and this story is all pulled from. It's a very personal story. Very personal. King King. We yeah. talked about that last week, so I'm sure he does have some kind of term that he uses.
1: I, I feel like this. He had his own little giggle at this, thinking, you know, that might be his term. It he could be written
0: his it term itself. Yeah. It could
1: be his term. <laughs> it could be his term completely. Um, but I thought about that. I was like. There's so, so much, you know, when you think of how personal this is and that Stephen King, not only was it his book, but he's writing the episodes that you can't help but feel he's taking some of this, you know, at least little pieces of it from his own life a little bit. Yeah. um, Or his own experiences or, or, you know. just a little anyway you you write what you know but yeah it, it, it's not an autobiography or anything like that it's not like it's his life but um mm-hmm. you know so i feel like there's just too many little things you know that's being written um or that you see in the story for him to not have some kind of name um his dedicated fans i know he he calls his constant readers um yeah you know so i i was always proud to be, you know, thought of as a constant reader. I don't know that I can qualify as that anymore since I've kind of fallen off the reading um, wagon a little bit, but always considered (laughs) myself a constant reader. So I feel like, okay, so he's got a name for his, like, loyal fans who've, you know, been with him and stuck with him and stuff, but what does he call his Jim Dooley's of the world? (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I don't know. I I don't think he probably has one, but it doesn't speak about it. Or keeps he it probably, it's personal. something
0: that, yeah, that if he was in an interview or something, if you asked him that at a, on a panel or something, he'd be like, I'm not going to tell you what that he's, is, though. That's a personal. Thing.
1: He'll probably he'll probably admit, yep, I've got a name for them, but I'm not going to share <laughs> it because, you know, yeah. he, he you know, he, he says what he thinks a lot. If you have ever followed him on Twitter, he's not, you know, shy about mm-hmm. letting his thoughts known. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, I don't think he's looking to, you know purposely or intentionally hurt anyone or anything like that but yeah. i had to, i had to just i was like i know he's got something he that, that feels too you know spot on to just be fictional so i thought that was yeah. kind of fun but um did you have any notes
0: that's it yeah all of my stuff fit into my my top five this week i love it
1: <laughs> um the only other thing i wanted to mention was i really love seeing that relationship between uh Lisey and darla I I, I thought that, you know, the dinner and the the chatting, um, I thought was great. I know that they have like this reluctant, like they love each other, but, you know, they have their sibling issues. And Stephen King mentioned in an interview, you know, he doesn't have sisters, but his wife has sisters. I think like two or three, maybe even four, Mm -hmm. but she has several sisters. And he said, you know, he over the years, you know, they've been married a very long time. Um, and over the years of their marriage, he's really watched and observed that relationship that his wife has with her sisters. And he said, you know, he kind of drew a lot from that, what he observed, um, and had it here in this story, um, just to see that sibling rivalry and how, you know, your siblings, you can all just be sitting there talking in a, in a room and just having a good time and, reliving memories or something but then all of a sudden someone has like a super passive aggressive remark and then all of a sudden fireworks are going off you know everybody's at each other's throats everybody loves each other yeah. but they're all all, eh, you know and that's how i feel like that's how it goes with lacy and and darla and I, I i love jennifer jason lee and julian more they have a really great i think chemistry going yeah. so i hope we get some more of that i hope we get some more Jennifer Jason Lee and I hope Joan Allen's doing a great job. I hope we get a little bit more of her than just where she's staring off kind of into the distance, kind of lost, yeah. you know, cause I think she's mm-hmm. um, got a lot more than just what we're uh, being given of her. Mm-hmm. But um, loving, loving it so far. Beautiful imagery. Yeah. I think great dialogue. Um, the, the sissy Manda bunny was a little bit, I feel like if you read it, it makes like, it's okay in print, but when you say yeah. it out loud, it sounds a little weird. So I did have mm-hmm. a bit of an issue with that, but <laughs> okay, I, I can I can deal with yeah. it. I know who we're working with here. So um, mm-hmm. I think other than that... It is
0: very like Stephen King. It's very it Stephen
1: King. Some some things are just so Stephen King. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I think that does uh, does it for my notes too. We've covered all of mine. Um, and awesome. I think we're ready to jump into feedback this week um do you want to take the first one
0: all right this first one comes from Lindsay schlicht she says this episode was a little bit improved for me it's still way out there but i felt a little more clear what was going on i'm trying to understand the whole double thing do people with an injury or illness go to the booyah moon place and the healthy person is in our world do they keep flipping is scott stuck in the other world because he's dead in ours i'm sure i'm way off the mark here just babbling out loud since you're the only people i have to talk about this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> everyone I know checked out epi- everyone I know checked out after episode one That's what she- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, that frozen willow tree was absolutely gorgeous I will say one for this show it's beautifully filmed watching TV shows in settings like this with green and trees and cold weather make Arizona even harder to live in forgive my grumblings it's supposed to be 100 to 15- 115 to 118 this entire week so I'm just very pissy about living here <laughs> oof I can't Can't even imagine, Lindsay. I live in Texas and it's been in like, you know, 95 to 98 this week. And that I can't deal with. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, no, um, I'm with you. She goes on to say, Rima, great call on the intro. It felt so familiar to me, too, but I couldn't place it. After your comment on the last episode, I totally see the similarity to Westworld. I'll probably stick this one out if for no other reason to listen to you guys. Oh, thanks, Lindsay. I figure if I'm still hanging in with Fear the Walking Dead solely for the purpose of the podcast, I can hang on with this. A much better show.
1: (laughs) Oh, well. Yep. (laughs) So
0: at least it's much better than Fear. I don't know if that's the shiniest Mm, compliment, but it's something.
1: (laughs) Not quite the gold standard there, but I will take it. So thank you, Lindsay, for the kind words Uh and for sticking with us. We always appreciate you. Yeah. Okay, we also got an email from our good friend Daphne and your other co-host there, Paik.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, She says, Hi, Rima and Paik. I really liked this episode. And the show continues to be visually stunning when it comes to Booyah Moon and everything, really. Also, Dane DeHaan is the perfect Jim Dooley. He's terrifying and gives me such an uneasy feeling whenever he is on the screen. They did a fantastic job with casting for this series. Also, Michael Pitt, who is barely, if at all, recognizable as Paul and Scott's father, Andrew. I had to look him up because with mm-hmm. the beard and the long hair, I didn't realize who he was either. Um, yeah. But she goes on, uh, I wanted to point out a few of the differences or similarities between the show and the book with regard to the first few episodes. Uh, she says, in the book, like the series, the book transitions between present day Lisi and Lisey revisiting memories of her time with Scott. Lisi has two additional sisters, uh, Cantata, who lives near Amanda, and Jody, who lives in Florida. They don't see her much at all, and she is barely mentioned. The series indicates only the trio of sisters. Lisi's gift from Jim Dooley was actually a cat that belonged to one of her neighbors, but he misunderstood and thought it was hers. Oh, man. Mm. Um, Four, the bad is actually called the bad gunky in the book. Andrew thinks that the bad is a demon infestation and dismisses that there could be good in Booyah Moon. Like the book, he focuses on Paul and the bad and Scott being gone. Although it's called, uh, go- Gomer's in the book, the special relationship between Paul and Scott is very similar in the book. Hmm. Number five, Scott saving his brother from being cut by his father happened when the boys are much younger and it's not a barn window. He jumps out of, but something smaller. It was a bench. I think. Um, six, they didn't elaborate on the plot points of many of his novels, but Darla mentions the plot of evil devils in the series. Uh, number seven, Jim Dooley never visited Scott's former home or the local library. Also, there was no pie. Um, <laughs> eighth, there really was a yum yum tree in the book. And uh, Number nine, Dashmille is credited on the series as having saved Scott after the shooting, but in the book, it was a student journalist writer named Tony Eddington. Dashmill has a southern drawl and calls Tony, Tony. Interesting. Good
0: to know. Thanks, Daphne. Yeah,
1: good to know. Thank you. Yeah, she's got that book knowledge.
0: hmm That's what I said last mm-hmm. week. It was like I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know how things, you know, tie in from her perspective as a, a big fan of the book. So she's following through, and I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Daphne, for taking the time to to point that out. Okay. Um, we did get a voicemail this week uh, from our good friend Steve. Let's take a listen.
2: Hey, strange indeed. This is Steve, and uh, this is for the next episode of Lisi's Story under the Yum Yum Tree. Please don't don't stop or quit this because I'm really kind of digging the show and. Uh rewatched the first two episodes after listening to the podcast and I just or I just rewatched them now before watching episode three and uh it's really intriguing and I like the mystery and I like the actors. So yeah, that's just my two cents. Pup- puppets are creepy. These sisters have a very complicated relationship. Would that be the right way to put it? Complicated? I think so. Okay, this innkeeper is creepy as F. I know it's, I'm sure he's meant to be that way, but man. Okay, that scene was tough to watch with the kids and the dad. Wow. I I can't imagine reading this. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to read the book, man. If it's got anything near this kind of tough in it, it'd be tough to read. Whoa, that got dark really quick. The best bull hunt ever that ends in wishing your dad dead. Hey, there's a silver shovel in that fish tank. This is setting up the next episode, obviously. Uh, it's a little slow here at the end, but I, I kind of like this between Jennifer Jason Lee and Julianne Moore. But she's figuring it out. Running water.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Steve reminded me. I thought I had it in my notes, and I think I thought of it while I was watching. And then failed to put it in my notes. The uh, little shovel in the fish tank um, that reminded me of Lisey's.
0: Before Lisey talks to Amanda, I guess yeah, where well, she's kind of staring through that tank. Yeah, I missed that.
1: Yeah, there was a huh. little shovel in there. I'm telling you, awesome. um, I think that <laughs> um, you know I used to always keep a baseball bat either in my car or next to me while I would you know was in bed um, in case I ever needed to you know someone ever bested in or something like that. Now I feel like I need, I want a shovel instead. Yeah.
0: <laughs> they work yeah, pretty well, I guess. A little
1: more character, I think. Um, <laughs> well, thank you so much everyone for your valuable feedback. It's always great to hear Absolutely. from you guys and I'm glad that you're still in it with us. Um, I know lots of people dropped off, you know, maybe this wasn't just for them. Um, I understand that, but I, I think it's worth sticking with so far anyway. So yeah, um, I'm
0: still very on board with the show right now.
1: I'm on board still. Um, well, next week on Strange Indeed, we're going to be covering episode four of Lisey's story titled Jim Dandy.
0: Oh, God. Um,
1: <laughs> Any guesses as to what it's going to be focused on, I wonder? <laughs>
0: I'm gonna go ahead and make a prediction that a bunch of my notes are gonna be oh fuck fucking creepy fuck no. <laughs> like that's what most of my notes are gonna be next week. I I have a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> gonna
1: get a I feel like a lot of him and maybe where he came up with the nickname for himself Jim dating when he when he introduced himself to Lisey. Um, -hmm. I don't know. So, and I didn't put the description. I didn't look it up. I just wanted to try and and stay a far, you know, far away from it. So I'm surprised, uh, going in. So no description, but I don't think we need one (laughs) considering the title. Um, (laughs) so yeah, hope you join us, uh, for that one. Um, but until Mm -hmm. then we are excited, um, that you follow us to Booyah Moon, but we ask that you also please follow us on Twitter at Strangetecast.
0: Or you can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash StrangerTcast. And
1: you can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app.
0: You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com and go out and leave a review for strange indeed on apple podcasts
1: so i know walking dead cast this week is wrapping up coverage of fear the walking dead um if you heard uh Lindsay's feedback you know she is still listening if maybe not watching the show mm-hmm. but i know lots of folks enjoy just listening to the coverage so you should definitely check them out for that final episode yeah. um, looking
0: forward to that one i don't want to say too much but i'm interested to see what they have to say about that uh Mm-hmm. dud bomb finale <laughs> for me <laughs> I'm also greatly curious to, to
1: see what uh, Jason and Lucy uh, it'll be Jason and Lucy this week what they have to say about that finale uh, episode um, I think there were lots of opinions about that um so yeah be sure to check them out and also on house podcastica where you can check out daphne wendy and jason um for their coverage on the handmaid's tale and i know this week this will- airs the, the finale, finale for as that well too. so mm-hmm. this week would be the finale for handmaid's tale as well they'll wrap up their coverage of season four of handmaid's tale they've done a fantastic job um, of covering Absolutely. that i actually got to guest on that episode last week uh, i stood in for jason um uh, last week, it so, so it good. was. Oh, well, thank you. Um, I had an amazing time. I, um, I, it was great therapy for me because I, I have so many thoughts and opinions, and I'm very passionate <laughs> about the things that happen on The Handmaid's Tale and. Uh, Daphne and Wendy gave me that platform, Jason as well, by, you know, asking me to, to to be on in his, his absence, but, um, they allowed me to be up on my soapbox for a little while and they listened to me rant and rave a little bit. So I'm grateful for that. It was great. great. (laughs) Thank you. Um, so yeah, I was on the last episode. They'll be covering this finale this week. Um, so check them out. Um, and you know, All the great podcasts on Podcastica and Paik. I want you to tell us a little bit about yours and Daphne's um, great podcast, Run for Your Lives. Do you have a sneak peek or want to give us a little tease of what you guys have going on this week?
0: Yeah, uh, this week. So, uh, yeah, the episode this week, we are covering the movie The Impossible. Came out in 2012. It is the first time we've covered something that is based on a true story.
1: Oh, my daughter and I were just talking about this. She loves yeah. this movie so much. I mean, it I is, love it, but she's really a, a nutty yeah. nut over it. It's so good. Might have to,
0: to turn her on to the podcast to listen oh, to it. Well, she'll listen um, to you or
1: she'll listen to me. So it's a good possibility.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Here's a sneak preview. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the first time I ever cried on Run For Your Lives. Um, I think I've got a little teary on this episode, okay. on this podcast. But uh, oh. <laughs> before in the past, we talked about stuff. But man, that one hit me pretty deep for reasons that you will have to tune in to find out. Yeah, I'm going to. But yeah, it's a it's a, it's a rough one. But it's also, I think we had a great conversation with it. It's a great movie. Mm-hmm. It is also kind of hard to watch in some places because it really shows some, some real gruesome moments of, you know, it's a true story of a family kind of fighting to survive against the Indian ocean tsunami of 2004. Yes. And the actual like mother of that family that it was based on was on set the whole time. Like,
1: wow.
0: Really making sure everything was as like exact as it could be. I can't even to like where the family was standing around the pool when it happened. Like she had those exact places like mapped out. Like it was, it's very close to reality, which, which ties in a lot. And it's Naomi Watts, Ewan McGregor, both kill it and then of course the the oldest child in the family is a young tom holland yeah pre-Spider-Man. Pre-Spider-Man. i think it's his yeah. feature film debut he was very young and, and he so just good. crushes it mm-hmm. yeah so yeah definitely check that out oh I my think. gosh yeah, it was a lot of fun yeah <laughs>
1: definitely a hard to watch movie but i think really important and a really important survival story um yeah. and yeah it was it was i thought beautifully done and terrifyingly realistic. Mm-hmm. I mean, holy hell, you know, you, you the news and media you just didn't quite capture it. This movie I think did. Yeah. I mean, it showed you what it would have been like and how terrifying that experience would be. Um mm-hmm. yeah. That that's like I said a little just a little um funny that not funny movie but just funny that you mentioned that because my we just saw a thing for that my daughter's like i think i have to watch that again i was like man i don't know if i can watch that again (laughs) kind of rough but i'm gonna listen to you guys i can listen to you and not have to watch the Mm -hmm. (laughs) movie because i've seen it (laughs) that's great well we can't wait to check um out your coverage on that podcast
0: for sure i'm excited But all right, that is our show. Thanks for listening, everyone.
1: Until next time, I'm Rima.
0: And I'm Pate. And
1: Jesse Messi is Strange Indeed.